So I was looking yesterday and I, I stumbled across an interesting pattern with a bunch of crypto lawyers. Usually they were crypto lawyers where, you know, they kept repeating the same little phrase. And that was the SEC. They have a problem with the SEC, quote, regulating by enforcement, regulating by enforcement. So I Googled this little term and guess what? The only thing that pops up, uh, bunch of articles about crypto, right? Defending crypto. And if you, if you, <clears throat> and then I proceeded to Google, you know, regulation by itself. And then I Googled, you know, enforcement by itself. And I know what these things sort of mean, but it always helps to <laughs> get a refresher, right? Look at the definition and just ponder on that. <clears throat> you know, and what came up with regulation was something like, control, uh, you know, according to a law principle, a standard, right? And then what, what came up with enforcement was sort of to compel, right? So you're compelling uh, control. And this, you know, to just basically sum it up, generic, uh, very general thought here is, is that you're, you're making sure people follow the, follow the rules, and people might argue about the way that that's done in this country through the SEC. But if you are against regulation by enforcement, you are technically against making sure people are following the law. That, that's what I get out of that. Maybe somebody gets something else, but that's what I get out of that. Um, and it's almost like these crypto lawyer bros, usually they're bros, some of them, some of them are females, uh, don't understand what a security is. And... You know, I happened across this, um, it was some kind of law, like the American, uh, I think it's ABA, well, I don't know, what does it stand for? I think it's like the basically the, the American Bar Association. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. And they have this whole section on what is the security, just on their webpage. Um, I guess it's just a handy reference, right, when you're trying to pass the bar. Well, perhaps, I'm guessing, right, because they're the Bar Association. Um and the very first thing that it lists, right, that, that, that is a security is a note, right? A note. Now, what is a note? A lawyer should know. And it's, you know, I didn't link to it here. I didn't link, link to the ABA article on what a security is. But it's a whole paragraph or longer of things, a note being the first one. And at the bottom of this page, it says, this isn't an exhaustive list. It's meant to be broad. The definition's meant to be interpreted very broadly. Now, a note, when I was reading it last night, and again, I'm driving right now, this is not a precise definition, go look it up. But if you Google a note, what is a note? Well, it's some kind of um, promise to pay. It's either some kind of promise to pay back your initial uh, deposit or whatever you handed over, some kind of promise to pay a yield, right? And this is what you have going on all over the place in cryptocurrencies, right? You have these DeFi products, these DAOs that take in some amount of crypto, promise to pay a yield, right? You're, you're either a liquidity provider, you're staking, you're locking something up, right? Or you're a stablecoin issuer, or you're taking in the assets to back up your, your stablecoin product and you're promising a return, right? You're promising a return of at least uh, what you um, put in. Now, uh, curious, the definition of a note on this financial website does not, it says, and may additionally pay some kind of yield, 
on top of your initial um, whatever that you put in there. So it's interesting that it doesn't say that it must contain a yield. You know, yield can be zero. Well, that's quote unquote what Tether does, right? They promise you the return of your asset. That's what backing means, right? That you can redeem. This isn't hard stuff, people. And, you know, now I just want to, you know, so I want to say, like, if these crypto people, one last thing, if these crypto people are having a hard time really figuring out what a security is, because this is why they're upset with the SEC. They keep complaining. The SEC hasn't given them a good picture of what is a security as far as it applies to crypto. But what they really need to be doing is read the very broad definition of the law. Understand the concept, right? And if you can't understand that as a lawyer, maybe you shouldn't be a lawyer, right? These people have already passed the bar, right? They're, they're advertising themselves as crypto lawyers. Now, I realize why they can't understand what is the security in, in crypto and Bitcoin is because they're paid not to, right? There's that famous quote, it's really hard to get somebody to understand uh, something when their salary depends on them not understanding it. Now, lawyers... Uh, can go both sides, right? They can go both ways. But all the money right now, currently, let's just say currently, but all the money right now is in defending these crypto projects, these crypto people. And uh, so all the money is going to be to the the crypto lawyers who defend these projects, right? And and to the extent that that, uh, you can't um, understand something that your salary depends on you not understanding, you know, maybe these crypto lawyers just don't get it, right? They don't understand what a security is because they don't want to, right? They're just trying to defend crypto industry against what could be a security. And now I'm going to break it down. I thought of this last night and I thought it was um, pretty simple and great. What is the simplest contract there is out there? Because we know the law of securities law involves, what is it? An investment contract. What is the simplest contract? It's a sale of some good or service, right? When you technically go to the store and you buy something, it's called something like an invitation to treat, right? Where they're advertising a price. You're then bringing it up to the register. The act of physically acknowledging that this thing's being rung up is sort of your acceptance of an offer. And a curious thing with 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 like basic sale of goods is that if a good if a good is being um bought there needs to be something offered in exchange that's like an of an of equivalent value or so they say so it's not a legitimate sale if at the end of the day i don't know this is a very broad category that i i just write about at some point that nothing was offered in return really that had any value and i'm gonna bring this up this little nugget up in just a second here uh hold that in your head (laughs) but this is the simplest contract now we sometimes we sign for goods and services when we pay for it sometimes we don't but technically this is a, a, a type of contract that we enter into almost every day when we buy and sell or buy products right somebody's selling we're buying well what is an investment contract, right? It's, it's when you do the same thing. You're buying something somebody else is offering, but the product is different. It's not, a, it's not a good or service. What is it? It's an investment. It's an investment vehicle. It's an investment product or something that we buy because we want to get 
we want to profit off of, right? We're not consuming it. Uh, we're not, it's not a service. It's, you know, it's not like somebody's cutting our hair, right? It's, it's something that we buy uh, because we, we want to profit. That's what it is. So the mo- let's now then apply this to crypto. So the moment that we <laughs> buy a crypto asset, most of them are used, are thought of as investments. So the moment we buy one, that's a contract, right? And if it's if these things are being bought, right, and motivated, the purpose of them is is investment con- is for investment. Boom! That's an investment contract, right? That's an investment contract. I don't know why this is so hard for people to understand. I think that they just don't. They're not thinking about it rationally. They're not. This is very simple too. They're not thinking about it simply. This is as simple as you can get, right? You're buying something. Someone's offering it to you. You're paying something. You're paying real money. That's the that's the nugget, right? You're if an offer, uh, someone's offering you crypto. You're offering. You're then giving them dollars, right? You're offering them something real. But the question is, are you getting something real? Are you getting something of, of, of value back? Well, that's an open debate, right? Whenever you buy a cryptocurrency as an investment, uh, is it a legitimate contract, right? That you're getting something worth anything? Who knows, right? But let's just assume people think that they are. Um, oftentimes, most people who buy a cryptocurrency as an investment are doing so very passively, right? They, they're not an insider in the project. And I was going to talk about um, insiders into crypto. Um, I had a section, a, a different um, written out thing about it, but maybe I'll get into it here. <laughs> but I was thinking about the insider trading case, the, fr- the, the wire fraud case of the ex-employee of Coinbase, right? This is what this whole topic really is sort of about is this idea that this guy committed fraud and the DOJ, right? It's a criminal charge of fraud because fraud is a crime. And this whole fraud case, now fraud is a very broad topic. And what it hinges on is this guy had this ex-employee who, who learned about something that was privileged, privileged information to the company but also privileged information to the cryptocurrency itself that was going to be listed on Coinbase, right, that he knew of uh, before the general market knew. And he, his actions, he broke his, his contract. Well, he's an employee, right? He had a contract with uh, Coinbase not to um, tell anybody which coins were going to be listed so he he broke that contract. I want to go down that route, but he also had a duty, right? He had a duty to the company, uh, and the company is ultimately hurt when the employee takes information privileged and starts trading on that because they have this idea, you know, they have this basic fair trade sort of agreement with their customers that they're going to they're in the business of being an exchange, um, and. Customers of Coinbase can assume some kind of amount, some amount of fair dealing. And when an employee breaches that that um, contract, it's a it's a it's a failure for him to uphold his duty. 
and he's committed fraud. He's hurt the he's hurt potential customers. He's also, in a way, hurt Coinbase. Now, um, does so an exchange? I think when you first sell a cryptocurrency, I think the issuer is the person who first sells the cryptocurrency. However, this cryptocurrency got into the market. Let's talk about our existence. Let's talk about miners, um, perhaps of Bitcoin. I think that going, I'm, I'm kind of um, disorganized right now in my thinking, but go back to the idea of an investment contract. And I would, I look at it like this. Who did the Bitcoin miners sell it to? Who bought it from them? The initial buyer of Bitcoin was from a from a random person right to a Bitcoin miner because the Bitcoin miner uh, was the first person to sell it as an investment, let's just say. So somebody gave them dollars. They gave them a representation of this investment contract through this thing called a Bitcoin. But the Bitcoin isn't really real, right? It's a concept. It it is a representation in my mind of a transaction that went that happened, right? As long as this Bitcoin has been sold by a miner, we know that there's some person out there who gave them real dollars. Let's assume they bought it, right? So they gave them real dollars um, in exchange for this representation of this investment con- investment, I think, that's made to a miner. Now, um, they can then sell this investment, um, this representation called the Bitcoin, uh, representation of their investment. Let's think, let's think of it like they're going to sell it on Coinbase. So Coinbase's job is to bring together buyers and sellers of already issued, um, cryptos. Now, when I say issued, I kind of mean, uh, well, I, I either mean the miner has it, it's ready to sell it, or it's been sold to its first quote-unquote investor. I really want to focus on the fact that the, the miner is selling it to its very first investor, and then this thing just trades, right? This thing has, has already taken in some amount of investment money to the Bitcoin miner, because it's all about the Bitcoin miner. But then this initial investor has this opportunity, because Bitcoin is peer-to-peer, fungible, whatever, to get out of this, this investment. They, they can pass this on to somebody who, who wants it, right? Who maybe is speculating on the price of it uh, because this thing is being, is traded, right? But if I look back up the chain, if it, if this thing has been traded so many times, I look up back the chain, I see, well, eventually it ends up uh, being issued by the miner, being first sold by the Bitcoin miner. Well, did the Bitcoin miner pay anybody for this uh, this Bitcoin? Who did they pay? Who who did they invest with? Who where did where did the dollars go? Did the dollars go to anybody that the Bitcoin miner uh, found right to buy this Bitcoin off somebody? No, it starts with them. And yes, they do spend some uh, dollars on on energy to mine the Bitcoin, but that's not the dollars they spend that that is used to mine the Bitcoin 
um, to buy electricity and stuff that isn't handed to somebody for somebody else to be productive with. So the Bitcoin miners are never really making, uh, are never paying anyone else, right? They're, 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 they're just, they incur some costs, let's say, to produce the Bitcoin through the rules of the protocol, right? They all follow these rules. But then they're the ones that first sell it into the market. And they're not really selling something that some, they're not really selling anything. I mean, a lot of Bitcoiners agree with this weird language of, oh, well, it's just free speech. They're not selling real money. Like they're just selling, um, you know, Bitcoin is not really anything. You're not really moving the Bitcoin. That's why there's no money transmission, right? Because it's just a ledger. No one, no one has their Bitcoin in their wallet. It's just this database, right? This virtual sort of database that gets updated and we're just exchanging messages and signing with our private keys, um, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that looks to me almost like just a, a centralized way to keep track of who's made an investment, right? And then maybe transfer it to somebody else. Like who owns a security almost? Like um, when you have stocks, you don't even really, uh, the records are kept somewhere else of who owns what. I mean, they're just in your broker account, they're just showing you something but it's it's more of a concept it's more of a conceptual thing that you've invested some amount of money in a in a stock and you receive some amount of uh you know some amount of rights or ownership uh due to that investment and um and typically when you buy a stock right you're not buying it from the issuer you're buying it from some other investor right that had it before you typically now you can buy it directly from the from the issuer well, that would be like buying it from the company. If the company, you know, has an IPO or has, you know, ha- is is listing more um, or is offering more shares or something like that. But think of the Bitcoin in the same way. The Bitcoin, if you're not buying it directly from the Bitcoin miner itself, you're buying it from some previous investor, right? That that maybe handed it over to another previous investor, who eventually, if you go back far enough, handed it over to a Bitcoin miner. I think the Bitcoin miners are key, and I think. This idea of an investment contract being, it has to be, um, if, if you are buying a good or service, right, you're getting something in return for those dollars. If you're buying an investment contract, you're making a guess, you're making a gamble. And the idea is for your investment to go up in price. And you're not really getting any a good or service to consume. You're getting this conceptual thing that says that you've made an investment and now you're enti- you've, you've handed over dollars for them to be used productively by an entity or a company or a group. And they um, have made you some promises that, that, well, it's not a promise. I mean, it, your investment could go to zero. But the idea is that you're working together, you're, you're funding them. And, and you're both on the same page and you're both trying to make a profit. In the case of Bitcoin, you're both trying to get the number, uh, the price of Bitcoin to go up. Um, and oftentimes a Bitcoin miner will even hold Bitcoin on its balance sheet. It's almost like a virtual signal. Hey, we're in this together. I'm speculating on the price of Bitcoin too. Now the Bitcoin miners are really hard to think about because they spend resources to mine Bitcoin ultimately to, to mine it at a profit where they hope that their costs are below the cost of whatever they can get the Bitcoin at, right? Um, according to where the Bitcoin might be trading at, at any one time. 
and it's hard to think about because then I'm saying that they're issuing this now. Like they're they're the issuer. I I did look this up. And I forgot what it said. I think the so an issuer is the same thing really as a seller, but not really. I think the issuer is the first seller, right? So I think the issuer is you could only call the issuer of a cryptocurrency the very first seller. So however they come across this crypto asset in the case of Bitcoin, just because I know that one the best, uh, they're mining it and then they're selling it into the market. And the SEC cares about when these things are sold. When are they, who, who is selling them? What are they sold for? When are real dollars uh, being exchanged for cryptocurrency? And, um, and why are people buying them? What are what is the founding team um, saying about them? Uh, and you, I've been focusing on on um, whether these things are securities or not, which I think ultimately doesn't really even matter. And I, I, I think these last two cases brought by the DOJ should should clue people into that that you can commit fraud without without anyone ever saying these things were securities. Now, I get why people are, are worried about securities laws because there is a rule that says, hey, if you fail to register, there's some exemptions, but if you fail to register your, your, your thing that you're selling as a security and it is found to be a security, this is like a felony, right? You could go to jail for, I think it's like five years, which ultimately is a lot less than, than what you could get for wire fraud or fraud one count of fraud, uh, which is interesting. Now, the SEC, I don't think, could bring this case itself. It's a like the DO, they'd have to say, knock on the DOJ's door and say, hey, look, uh, we really don't like the fact that this guy didn't sign up with us or register his, his crypto as a security. And we're not going to just fine you. Uh, we are going to call up the DOJ because we really want to see your your ass in jail, right? So the DOJ would almost have to bring a separate case, I think, uh, to 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 go after you for not for failing to register your crypto security. Okay, it looks like it's up to five years in jail for that. It's almost like a filing mistake. It's like a paperwork mistake. Now you could do it, you could do it maliciously, I think, and that's where they might say, okay, you deserve jail for this. Um, but in my opinion, the fraud stuff is a lot bigger deal. It's a lot bigger deal because it's it's more time. It's actually um, it's a crime that people really dislike, um, and it can come with really long sentencing. So, and you don't have to have your your crypto be a security for you to be charged with fraud. You don't even have to be involved with this cryptocurrency. You don't even have to be a member of the founding team to be charged with fraud of a cryptocurrency. You don't even have to be a high up member of a company like Coinbase to be charged with fraud, right, of, over cryptocurrency related activity. And um, it's very interesting that uh, if you think about where this, I'm, ta- I'm thinking about this ex-employee of Coinbase, where was his duty, right? Where, were, where was his duty? Well, he was an employee. He had a duty to his company. Did he also have a duty to the cryptocurrencies that he insider traded, right? Because he learned about, in, about privileged information about these cryptocurrencies before they were listed. 
So in my opinion, he was he might have not had a duty to the to these like to the to people involved with this cryptocurrency, right? That there was going to be trading on his company's um, exchange necessarily, but he 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 became one of the people of this cryptocurrency project or around it, right? Um, that knew something. Uh, that knew privilege information about it. He knew that it was going to start trading on Coinbase before it did. Now, one question is: is the people, the founding team of the cryptocurrency, who gets who 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 gets it approved by Coinbase? I don't know Coinbase's process. Do they not tell the founding team? I wouldn't tell the founding team. I might have this thing in my in my rule book if I worked at Coinbase, saying, "Hey, look, we can't tell them because." What if they tell, you know, and that's privileged information, but they don't have a duty to Coinbase because it'll work there. But do they have a duty to the, the holders of their cryptocurrency or the holders of the cryptocurrency, right? They, so they are in, they have privileged information, assuming that they know that Coinbase is about to list their, their, their coin that they've sort of been involved with. Maybe they're, they're a dev on the project or something. Um, do they have a duty? I, I don't know. Is, is Coinbase worried about, you know, them knowing about the, the fact that it may trade? Who knows? I don't know. Um, but I just think it's interesting that you could have an employee at Coinbase who becomes sort of an insider of a cryptocurrency only because of their position at Coinbase, right? Now, because so it's because of their position at Coinbase that they are aware now that this coin's about to trade. That's why it's Coinbase's job as a company to to make to enforce the fact through contracts and stuff that this employee doesn't um, doesn't use this information in a personal way to benefit themselves. Um, I I'm still feeling like Coinbase is a little bit uh, on the hook as well. And I wonder, you know, I've heard this before, Coinbase, you know, when they list a new cryptocurrency, don't they have to buy this cryptocurrency at least to experiment on, maybe to even make a market with? Now, maybe they have contract that out, right? Where they have other people who are buying this up to like somehow make a market on their site, right? Or do they just buy it up? And do they sell the cryptocurrency that they buy to their customers ever? And I think they've done this in the past. I've heard rumors that they, they trade against their customers, right? Now they might frame it as we're providing a service so that the people can come here and trade this new cryptocurrency that we list on our platform. But I'd want to see as a customer, right? If I was interested in a new cryptocurrency on their site, how much have they bought? How much do they hold on their balance sheet? How much do they invest in as a company? Because I know that they have... There's an article I looked up yes last night. It said Coinbase has like 500 million just a fund just to just to throw into different cryptos. So they they're they're obviously self interested, right? In some cryptocurrency projects, uh, they have a VC arm too. I think that invests in certain projects. You know, I think they even invested in Uni, right? Uniswap at one point. I don't know, maybe, um, but. Do they disclose this whenever they list a new cryptocurrency? Do they disclose, even if they're not, even if they don't have it on their 
you know, investment fund? Do they disclose how much they've recently bought? Do they disclose how much they might use on their on the trading engine platform to like make the market or, you know, how much how much their the market maker might have to buy to, to make the market like what, you know, it's it. It was it was um, the, in the complaint of the DOJ or SEC. I don't know which one. Um, they said that that every time they 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 announce they're going to list, it pops. Well, it pops for a reason. Um, but I was speculating last night, and I briefly read over the two complaints from the SEC and the DOJ. I tend to think the DOJ is leading here. This is just speculation on my part. I think the DOJ is leading and they each did their own sort of, maybe they chatted, Hey, we're going to go after these people. Uh, maybe they didn't, they probably did, but, uh, I think the DOJ just said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to charge this, these people. You can do what you want with this case. The SEC sort of, I think to save face or possibly because there's been all kinds of chatter recently in the crypto universe uh, at different conferences and different panels they've had that um, they want to take away a lot of the, the regulatory power of the SEC and give it to the CFTC. So there's been this little quiet battle. I don't know if it's been so quiet, but um, maybe the SEC is trying to like reassert some authority here, save face. I think it's mainly probably to save face and, and look like they uh, are doing something um, because it's sort of double dipping in a way. It's not needed. The SEC's complaint isn't needed. And that's because, um, in my opinion, I was, I was asking the question last night. So the DOJ puts people in jail. It's criminal, right? But can they also gain, claw back the money, claw back the money that, you know, was, was quote unquote, um, achieved through this fraud? But who would they ultimately give the money to? I don't know. You know, it's hard to say because they bought and sold these cryptos. But who did they buy them from? I'm sure they bought them not on, well, they weren't on Coinbase because they hadn't been listed yet. They announced it listing. But, you know, these guys weren't the smartest tool, tool you know, guys in the shed. But, um, but I, I'm sure they bought them somewhere else, right? On the blockchain, I think that's why it was discoverable. So, so... Um, so they bought them somewhere else and then they sold them where I don't probably not Coinbase, let's just say, um, who did they, who did they actually defraud? Like who, who was the victim? Who should get, who should get the money if they, to the extent that they can claw back money, which I, which the DOJ was asking for, I think to, for them to return the ill-gotten gains, who does it go to? I don't know. All right. But I think the criminal prosecutor can put, you know, they, obviously they can put you in jail, but apparently they can also uh, make you pay. But make you pay to who? I don't know who the real victim is here. Is it the customers of Coinbase? Which ones? The ones that bought um, bought the, these cryptos, these particular cryptos, like maybe on the day that they first announced it, maybe on the second day, third day, fourth day? And what makes a victim? It's usually somebody who, who lost money, right? You have to prove sort of a harm. Well, what if the person made money on the pump? Well, he, he shouldn't get anything, right? Uh, it's very difficult for me to tell who the victim is. Is the victim Coinbase? Because technically this employee breached this duty with Coinbase to keep it a secret. Um, 
right? Even if Coinbase didn't really lose any money, right? Did they make money on fees? Uh, who is the victim and where does this, where does this money go to? I don't know. Um, this is an interesting case because I think, I think the duty really belongs, their duty belongs to their employer. Uh, so, you know, it'd be really funny if Coinbase got this one point, whatever million, I mean, it was a small amount, but 1.2 million that they ended up profiting from, uh, it'd be really funny. <laughs> uh, but the, so it's redundant. So why is the SEC's case redundant? And it looks more like a safe face or just an assertion of their authority. Well, or maybe a guiding of the market. If you read through it, it lists all these, it lists like nine different cryptos that they think are securities and sort of why, their evidence for why. Um, but the SEC is a civil, right? They can bring civil action, which is meant to produce punishment through fines, right? So the SEC can't throw you in jail. They can um, punish you through fines. And what I don't like about the SEC is they go after certain uh, certain people and they can find them right if they're if they're found to be true and their claims to be true in a court of law uh, but who does this money go to well i think it goes to the sec um but was the sec harmed no they're just a regulator right they're almost a step in for a private citizen why because a private citizen can bring a civil suit too so um, and in one particular instance, um, in 1999 or 2000, when there's the big, big dot-com blow-up, this guy named Henry Blodgett, who I like his takes on crypto and Bitcoin today. I think they're really quite good. Um, uh, he, um, he was one of these pumpers of, of, of stocks and he got caught. Uh, he had securities fraud. And I guess the DOJ, I don't know, they decided not, maybe not to prosecute, but they could have. Um, but he basically, um, uh, SEC charged him and he settled. Usually these things are settled. Um, settled for a fine. So he paid a fine and he paid this fine to the SEC. What he did was he pumped up dot coms, tech stocks, said they were going to the moon, but then they caught him in a private email right? Saying that these stocks are trash. <laughs> so that's, he's clearly lying, right? You can't lie like that, right? So you can be charged with fraud. And um, it's an admission. <laughs> you're saying one thing, right? But you're doing another, right? You're thinking another, that's fraud. Um, and he also gained by, you know, there's some kind of uh, benefit he had, right? But pumping these things, he was paid a lot of money to go on TV and talk about them, to write blog, you know, rosy blogs about them. You know, so he's being paid, right? And then these things pump, and then so so there's victims that buy into this stuff, and then got caught holding the bag, right? Whenever the the tech market went the other way, so there's real victims, there's real beneficiary, and there's a case of fraud. Um, securities, SEC brought the case. He settled. He was barred from like selling securities ever again, or, or pumping them, or whatever, or working in the securities industry. Funny, funny enough, Henry Bodget started a. a pretty big uh, blog. I guess it's now Business Insider or something. That's his company, I guess. Um, grew, it, grew it pretty big. This was all after he was, uh, in 1999, his, his um, charges. <laughs> he kind of came back, uh, which is good. I, I like these stories where people, you know, maybe they did something wrong, but let's say, you know, he, he came back. <laughs> he learned his lesson. Um, 
so uh, so 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 what the problem was is that somebody tried to sue privately Hen- Henry Blodgett in a civil case to sue you know for fraud for for so this person obviously lost money in the stock market maybe they listened to Henry Blog maybe they Henry Blodgett maybe they read his blog his his pumping right of the tech stocks maybe they lost money they wanted to sue him personally well this one judge and I think they wanted to sue him. I don't, so they didn't bring it as regular fraud case. I think they brought it as a civil, as a securities uh, fraud case. And I think that as a private citizen, sort of, you're not. A, I don't know if you're allowed to bring securities fraud cases necessarily, or at least they might take it to a court. Uh, I don't know if it's a federal court or or what. But in this particular case, they this one judge said, "You can't sue Henry Blodgett." For securities fraud, I think that they probably could have sold him, sued him, sorry, sued him just for fraud. I don't know, but they this one judge said, "Hey, you can't. These private citizens can't uh, sue him." And I thought that was the wrong decision um, um, to make of this judge. And the judge basically said, "It was your own greed, or this, you, you, sh- you shouldn't have bought into a bubble." But this judge completely ignored the fact that Henry Bodgett committed fraud like on tv so this case made me wonder well is the sec there to prosecute sort of uh in place of all the private citizens that could be um submitting like private action or private private lawsuits for number so either for securities fraud or just regular fraud i mean is that is that what they're supposed to be there for? But but if you it, but again, the SEC keeps their fines. They don't distribute them among the real victims. So the private citizens, I think, should be allowed to sue anyone who who commits securities fraud or or just fraud in general. I mean, why do you why do you have to say it's securities fraud in the complaint? Why can't you just say it's fraud? Um, just saying it's securities fraud move the like move the jurisdiction does it does it set up sort of a federal court where you you know you need to bring it in this federal case just because it's securities violations uh perhaps you don't want that maybe you just want to say in your complaint if you're suing someone uh hey this guy committed fraud and i was a victim right and i i don't know much about um that kind of law but i think that that might be you know an avenue that you could go down maybe it's some kind of tort law i don't know um, because fraud is a crime, but if you're, you know, private citizen, you can't, you can't criminally prosecute, right? That's, that's for the state, but you can bring private civil claims. Um, that's why we have civil law, <laughs> but again, uh, getting off topic or, or rambling here, but why did the SEC bring their case if all they can do is fine versus, the DOJ, who's bringing a case, who can not only put you in jail, but also fine you too. Um, I don't know. And would the guy have to pay both? Would the guy have to pay the fine from the DOJ, right? And then also have to pay a fine from the SEC? So assuming that like the DOJ gets gets all back all the money this guy stole, then the, the extra fine from the SEC might just be you know, he's got to pay more, <laughs> maybe, you know, assuming he's got other assets, right? So he's got to pay even more money, which I guess maybe if you want to really punish them, maybe that's a good way to go. Um, 
I tend to think the SEC saw that the DOJ, DOJ was going to do this. It's my speculation. They said, hey, we're going to lose complete uh, confidence here. They've already lost a lot of confidence with the public, wanting, to, wanting them to go after some crypto people. Um, so I almost feel like, and then they're, they're being kind of sort of pushed out by all these crypto people who want the CFTC to be their regulator. You know, Senator Loomis has this bill that she, she wants to pass where she basically gives all control to the CFTC. Um, maybe the SEC is trying to research some authority. Um, I don't know, but it's interesting. Um, and maybe they're trying to guide the market because they really, with the SEC's complaint, it's only directed towards those employees again, or one employee and his two friends, right? That committed fraud at Coinbase. Um, the, the companies or the projects, the cryptocurrency projects that are named are not party to this complaint. So it doesn't really matter what the SEC says here. Now they can make another complaint, right? Maybe directing it at the issuers of these other cryptocurrency projects, but they haven't. They haven't even named Coinbase. Coinbase was the person was the exchange that listed these assets, right? But they haven't listed them either. So there's no complaint against Coinbase for listing these these securities. They could make a separate complaint. Um, I think they've had. I think this thing has been out for a few days. I think it came out the 21st, and they haven't produced any, you know, sister reports. And maybe they had to do this pretty quickly. I don't know. Uh, because the DOJ was moving on the, on their action here, but um, it might have hinged on you know what this, this one guy tried to flee the country. I thought that was in May though, but what have they been holding him here ever since? I mean, it starts July. So when did he try to leave? Was it just now? So he might have actually the guy that tried to flee the country. Maybe I don't know when he did, but maybe that's why this was brought now, right? Maybe that's why it was brought now because he was stopped right from leaving the country. So maybe it was rushed. I don't know. And maybe they're working on the the Coinbase complaint separately. (laughs) Or maybe they're not. Right now, I think my best speculation is they're not going to bring a Coinbase complaint and they're not going to bring individual complaints against these cryptocurrencies they've they've listed as or they've alleged to be securities in this one complaint. I think they're trying to guide the market with some um, some evidence for why they think these things are securities without punishing anybody, right? Without punishing the, the, the project issuers, without punishing Coinbase. And they're just going to sort of wait and see what the market does. It's almost like they're, they, they really are afraid to get in there and, and regulate. This is their job. I know that they, they have a lot of people that want to go work for crypto companies. Uh, that's a revolving door, right? The problem with the SEC now, does the DOJ have a revolving door? This is why I think the DOJ led, right? Because the DOJ, it's a bunch of FBI agents, right? And it's a bunch of uh, attorneys <laughs> from like that work, I guess, at the, I don't know, the, the, um, the state level of New York. I think the New York, New York brought the case. But it's, it's, it's FBI, right? DOJ, right? It's, it's these prosecutors, these prosecutors are probably going to be a little bit more disagreeable, a little bit more justice-minded, right? You go to the FBI because you want your, you, ideally, right? I don't know what the FBI is doing now. Sometimes what they're investigating seems kind of dumb, but it's, but let's just say 
that most of them probably went there because they're justice-minded people. If you want to be a lawyer, you're usually justice-minded. If you want to be a prosecutor, you're probably justice-minded. If you want to work for the SEC, usually you're somebody who wants to leverage their time in government, right? Or at a, at a powerful agency, a regulator, a bureaucrat. And then you want to go into crypto, right? You want to go private. You want to go back to government. You want to sort of use your, your knowledge of how the system works in government, how things are being regulated, how things are being thought of, which is valuable knowledge for a crypto company, for sure. But there's an extra incentive is if that if you're nice to the crypto industry guys while you're at the SEC, you might get a real good cushy job, right, with, with a private act, private company. Um, and that's what we see all the time. So perhaps a lot of these people that work there really, uh, especially if you're, you know, the SEC is a big agency. Uh, but if you're in the crypto division, <laughs> if you're working on stuff like this, if you're the one sort of prosecuting and writing these complaints, you might not be getting the good cushy job, right? You, you, uh, you may not be, be hired at Coinbase one day if you're bringing a complaint against Coinbase. I mean, that's not hard to, to see. So not everybody, I think, is like that at the SEC. But I think there's enough people there that are a little bit more, like, worried about their own selves, worried about their own career, than about actually enforcing law or technically doing the job in which taxpayers, is their taxpayer-funded jobs, right, that taxpayers are actually entrusting these people with. So I think there needs to be a huge, like, cleanup of these places. And, and back to the DOJ, I just think you're going to find a lot far fewer people at the DOJ who are like, who are uh, wanting to then go work in crypto, right? I think these people are, you know, if you're going to be in the FBI, you're going to be there probably a while. Uh, and if you're uh, a prosecutor, you know, wanting to prosecute crypto, uh, you know, you attorney, whatever they are, I don't know what, the, I don't know who they technically technically work for. Maybe it's like the attorney of New York state or something. I don't know who, who it is that they, they are, they work for, but, uh, I doubt these people are going to be wanting a, a cushy job at a crypto company. Unlike, you know, Jay Clayton, who was the head of uh, SEC and now, you know, now is working for um, some Firebase or something, not some crypto, I think it's like crypto infrastructure company or whatever they are. Uh, but yeah, these people go in and out. And this, this CFTC commissioner, I don't, I guess she's the head of the, the commission, uh, I don't know what her name is. I think her name is like Carolyn Pham or something. She's Asian. I can't pronounce her last name. I apologize. Um, she's been going, she's been making the round. She's been going to crypto conferences, right? She's buddy, buddy with them. It's super funny reading and just seeing her all over the place. You know, she's whoring herself out. I hate to talk about sort of a commissioner this way because there's, there's meant to be respected, but her actions don't, don't, um, uh, garner respect, right? She's, she doesn't seem like she's, she should be respected, right? She seems almost like a whore who's working for the CFTC, but she's really just working for herself, right? She's really just trying to get buddy, buddy with crypto, trying to look for her next job, right? Maybe she wants to stay in government and just, you know, continue amassing power and doing favors, right? For all the crypto people, maybe she's being paid under the table, I, I don't know. Maybe she's getting bribes. Who knows? But she's obvious. But whether or not she's getting anything now, she might be getting something later. Let's just say that she's got a bright future ahead of her for, at some big crypto company uh, whenever she decides to leave the CFTC, which may be a long time because if she's 
now in control, right? The crypto people technically want her to be there as long as possible, right? Because she, uh, uh, I don't even know how she got there. That'd be, that'd be interesting to dig up, but she, uh, can make a lot of decisions on behalf of the crypto industry and she's definitely their friend. So, um, um, all right. I think that's all I have to say now. I definitely had a long ramble there. It went on uh, across different topics. Um, yeah. So if you don't have any questions, I'm going to end it here. And uh, thank you for listening to my rant.